You can try to come at me with smoke. And I'll say, bye, Ashy. <laughs> I'm like Rachel Maddow without the brains. I rarely refrain and I aim to entertain. <laughs> oh my God. I was like, wait, don't put yourself down. What's happening here? That's going to go in so many different directions. Love it. I'm into it. I'm into it. I'm into it. You guys, it's Andy's Girls. Believe it or not, it's episode 361, which feels psychotic when I say that out loud. Um, but listen, I'm so excited for a new guest on the People's People's Couch. I love following her on social. And I said, listen, want to hop on a little Zoom and talk a little housewife psych? And here we are. You know her as a writer and content creator and someone whose deep dives I truly adore. Welcome to Andy's Girls, the neighborhood hype girl. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor and I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to have you. So are we, you are like an anonymous content creator, which we love. We stand that. We support that here at the AG community. Can I ask where you're Zooming from? Like a general vicinity? Are we talking Midwest, Pacific something or other, Florida? (laughs) I'm somewhere below the Mason-Dixon line. Love that. And yeah. because I know what the Mason Dixon line is, I can guarantee you. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. Who actually referenced the Mason Dixon line? Oh, you know who did? Jason Bateman just had, um, <laughs> or the crew just had Joe Biden on an episode of Smart List. That's they were talking right. About, oh, God. Best podcast. About a lot I love of stuff. them so much. Oh, my God. I Let's just talk about Smart List for about an hour. I adore those men. I just love listening to them just honestly shit on each other. <laughs> it's like the actual best for like an hour. Oh, my God. <laughs> the way that they drag Sean Hayes, because Sean Hayes, God bless, they all have their different personality type. And Sean Hayes, God bless him, is like, what's your favorite color? Tell me a theater story to literally everyone. I love it. I love it so much. It brings me joy on my little strolls around New York. It's so, it is so great. Yes, they just, Sean Hayes is like, tell me your favorite theater story and like your best medical emergency. Because that's yeah, like, 100%. <laughs> that's his thing. I love them all. It's so awesome. Um, so tell me, when did you start your account? Um, I the started, Neighborhood Hype Girl. <laughs> I started it in uh, May of 2020. So like in the height of the pandemic. It's been a great coping oh mechanism. God. Yeah. Has it been? Has it been a little bit of a connector? Um, how have you felt about you know, emerging through content creation during such a tumultuous time? You know, it was really, um, really great, really unexpected. It was something that I wanted to do for a while and I finally just jumped in and did it. And um, it's just been awesome. I've met so many people, so many quality people are on, on the internet. It really can be a bright (laughs) spot on Al Gore's internet. Oh my God. Yeah, there are some really good people. There's some not so good people, but there I have made so many. I think the thing that surprised me the most, and you've been doing this longer than me, is like the camaraderie and like the genuine friendships that happen between the accounts. Like I love talking mm-hmm. to you, like our buddy Bravo Bravo Ducking Bravo. Like there are so many quality people and uh, people that I never would have known, you know, had it not been for this for this account. And it's truly been such a blessing. And of course, all of my followers, and I know you feel the same. I'm sure you have people that you talk to all the time. It's been awesome. 
It has been. I feel like, you know, there, um, you know, within the world of podcasting, it can be sometimes pretty isolating, especially during COVID, because I was so used to prior to COVID, I was so used to recording in person. That was essentially all that I did. Like when it came to Housewives or Bravo Labs, I'm like, when's when's the next time you're in town? Because I record in person and that's kind of the only option I like to present. Being forced to do Zoom style recordings has also opened up an opportunity to talk to people who are outside of the New York City area, which has been incredible, but it's also somewhat isolating. You know, like recording solo episodes, doing all of that, it can be... Um, you know, it can be difficult sometimes not to be able to connect with someone directly when communicating, which is why the world of IG honestly has been really lovely in many ways, like connecting with AGs one-on-one and with other creators. I mean, it is also a shit show and a terrible place that's given me a lot of anxiety, but yeah. like on the flip side, it can be nice now and again, which is great. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I have to say though, I think uh, me staying anonymous is part of the reason why it's been nice, even though mm. we still get crazy. I'm just going to say there are a lot of unhealed people on the internet attacking random unhealed, strangers. Unhealed you know people. Just unhealed people attacking, like projecting issues onto unsuspecting yeah. strangers. Sure. And it's truly sure, sure, devastating sure. for both people. It's like, what? Like, wow. <laughs> You're really unloading a lot. Not like confessing things because I love when people confide, but the way and like surely you have people lash out at you at times and it's like why why me like does that ever happen like people's opinions that are like "Mm, that's a lot well I think sometimes you know there's sometimes the sure people can just like slide into your dms and be like you're a piece of shit which has happened to me more times than I can count but like which is always a nice way to start my day um but like there is also the sometimes there's like a processing of triggers and I, someone who might not know that person in real life or, or really know them even on the interwebs, it's sort of the, an odd process of like what you just posted, uh, you know, your spindrift flavor of the day was really triggering and you should be ashamed of that. Like I, I, it's not just like I'm upset about something or I am triggered about something, but you should feel bad because that's how I'm feeling, which I think is a little bit of the, I don't know. I I don't know even how to kind of like encapsulate it. It's, it's projection, right? Well, it's projection, but it's also disconnection, which I think is, that's just the consequence of it. Like there's the potential to connect with someone, but there's also the stopping of the conversation. I guess, I don't know that it's always projection, which I don't want to discount. I think that there's also other stuff going on. It's the, um, I don't even know how to really describe it. It's, you know, it's an, or to me, a genuinely interesting conversation. I think it's, there's a lot there about projection, certainly, but I think there's also, gosh, it's like the hashtag trigger warning of it all. I think that there's an element of shaming someone for information or experiences that they might not share, which can become a distortion of the idea of like community connection, if that makes any sense. Like Mm -hmm. it's not a, a bettering, even though that might be a part of it. I think there's 
there's so much potential to um, bond and connect over shared experiences, which can be which can include painful ones. But then there's also the idea of like, because I have experienced something a certain way or because I look at something a certain way, you're not only wrong, but you should feel bad as a consequence, which is tough. Right. Yeah. That's that's kind of tough. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so listen, let's talk a little <laughs> We're wrapping up, guys. We're just talking about disconnection as content creators. I love it. Um but I'm here for it. Listen, speaking of all things connection, when did your housewives journey begin? Do you remember a moment, a franchise, a show? It could be a, a, a Bravo show within the housewives universe or outside of it. Was there kind of something that like almost like a bait and switch where you just started through Project Runway and then the Real Housewives of Miami just came out of nowhere and took you? I, I really, I can't remember. I don't, I've never had a, a defining housewives moment. I just remember like I've been with Bravo for a while and I think Mm -hmm. my gateway drug to that was Shaws of Sunset. Like I was upset. I mean, still to this day, I'm so sad that they're, that it's over, but like I would, I love Shaws of Sunset. (laughs) And so like, I'm trying to think, was that my gateway drug to watching housewives? Because I think my first franchise was, uh, I want to say it was like Beverly Hills or something wait a second I don't know this is psycho that I'm saying this out loud I don't know that Shaws of Sunset has ever come up on it hasn't come up on AG in a minute and I am so interested I mean yeah especially because as we know as we've been told the show is like sort Shaws of Sunset I think it's over like I'm pretty sure it's it's canceled it, it may have quite literally sunset, like it, the sun may have <laughs> set on Shaws of Sunset, but yeah. there are all of these teases that have been happening with Reza, MJ, and Gigi. Yes. I went to Legends Ball. They did a little tease during the show of like, stay tuned. And they've been, they were saying that throughout the course of BravoCon, that mm-hmm. the three of them are working on something. I would love to see that, honestly, because that is the trio that... Like when you, did you, did you watch Shaws? Every episode, every episode. I mean, you talk about a journey, like, wow. Mm. You, I mean, just the whole of Gigi and who she was and the, like basically the downfall of the writer dies, uh, MJ and Reza and like just the whole thing of like him not even knowing her baby until recently is like if we had watched that a decade ago like we never would have been able to conceive that that is something that could have possibly happened and just the mic of it all um and destiny everything the uh, it's it's a journey (laughs) for sure mike and jessica mike and jessica that reunion cycle where he's like you're not allowed to talk oh my god stay in the trailer do you follow her on insta or anything I don't think I, f- I follow MJ. I think MJ is the only Shaws of Sunset star that I follow. I would I would be surprised if I didn't follow Reza, but I might not. Okay. Um. Yeah, I don't know what's what's going on with yeah. I just kind love of most of the her. cast. I mean, I don't really know a lot. All I'm going to say is that from what it seems like, Jessica is thriving and I'm oh, so happy yes. that she got out of the grasps that were that were uh, Mike's hands because yeah, that guy is like on a 
you can't even, there's no joking about Mike. He is a very tragic, toxic figure. And I'm just going to say mm-hmm. that I believe everything that's been in the news somewhat lately about him. Like it's just right there below the surface all the time. Well, I mean, his most recent arrest really did kind of push forth this announcement about Shaw's, which I'm sure had been decided prior to that. But I think it kind of inspired whomever production or the network to kind of say, listen, like um, this isn't going to be covered on next season because spoiler alert, there won't be one. But You know, what's so interesting about Shaws of Sunset is like you think of, as you said, how the relationships have kind of changed over the years. Shaws of Sunset is one of those shows I would almost compare to, stay with me on this, The Real Housewives of Orange County, which has often gone through like or seemingly most recently one season Housewives. And with Shaws, they have that like core four or core five of OGs and then they would try to like add on new people to the show to varying degrees of success but because the foundation was so solid regardless of like how good seasons were just in the sense of having people with a lot of history I think that helped the show work but it did struggle with the like you know, um, Lily, other people who were on for like a season, season and a half with finding other people to join that group, because how do you compete with the history that they have? Yes. How do you compete with that? Yes, I agree. It's one of those shows that's so rare, kind of like Married to Medicine, which I think at this point is the best mm. non-Bravo show on, I'm sorry, not best um, non-Housewives, Housewives show. Non-Housewives, yeah. Um, it is because they have genuine friendships that are 20 years long, like 10 years long before the show. And it's, I think in a sense, one of the most, um, Shaw's is one of the most authentic in that because they mm-hmm. had very real history. They were not together um, just because they were cast together. Kind of like, I mean, I think that's how it is on a lot of the housewife franchises. They're coworkers. They're not mm-hmm. actual friends in real life. And it's so interesting to witness like how authentic it comes across as a lot more authentic. People can feel that. Viewers can feel that real history. Yes. And um, yeah, I think I loved that sense about it because it's one of the very few where they're very genuine, strong, deep-seated friendships. It's really it was cool to watch. I 100% agree. And I also think, listen, Reza, the Reza, Adam, Tommy stuff, plus MJ, rough, tough stuff. But knowing, even if we didn't see that moment on TV, knowing that Reza has since most, I think pretty recently, met Champs, met MJ's son after how, since he was born, not being permitted to see him because of the toxicity that had been ongoing between Tommy, Reza, and Adam, you know, Reza versus MJ, to know that they are working and have worked through some hurdles in their relationship off camera, you know, as much as some of us may have wanted to like see that moment on camera, better that it happened organically off. Maybe sometimes as upset as some of us were when we realized like there wouldn't necessarily be Shaw's stuff for a while, if ever, if they were able to work through their relationship in a natural place that wasn't forced upon them by a production schedule, I think that helps, especially with this like future spinoff because it's, it'll feel more real. I completely agree. Absolutely. Yeah. I know that 
it let me tell you what that whole storyline no mm. joke gives me hope that any type of healing is possible because yes. I don't know how it could have gotten worse about what Reza said to MJ like what Tommy did to Reza like barring I mean them not being friends anymore and then yeah. forbidding uh, MJ to introduce Shams to Reza like that is true hope that anything can be repaired I mean yeah it was pretty crazy to watch what Reza said to MJ at that fucking party was one of the darkest most toxic moments of any Bravo show it was very bad talk about I mean, if the name of the episode, it might end up being trigger warning. Yeah. Talk about a trigger for a bajillion people for (laughs) a bunch of different reasons. I was like, not only can this friendship not come back from this, but like, do I want to continue watching this shit? Because it should not be this bad. It was, it showed, it showed some bad aspects to all involved, honestly. That was one of those moments that I'm like, okay, what Bravo moment like compares to that? And the only one that I can think of would be Kim and Kyle in the limo. Like that's the only one that's like, whenever she was like, mom had to die and you're an alcoholic. Come on, the iconic scene, Kyle and Kim. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I'm, you guys, you can't see me, but I'm putting on my thinking face. She just put on her thinking cap. Here's the difference to me with the oh God. This is tough. Okay, I'm gonna say uh, no, it out loud. Like, I don't it. even know if I that I believe it. I I, I don't know. It. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna unpack it. Walk through it. Walk through it. To me, that scene was so troubling because it showed the pain and anguish and toxicity within the Richard sisters dynamic. It was the purest illustration of decades of toxic upsetting, frustrating history being made clear between these two women, maybe for the first time, and also all of us at home. Yeah. The, the reason that I don't know it is applic- as applicable to Shaw's is that I felt like the Shaw's stuff, while the limo scene is obviously triggering to a lot of people, understandably so, the Shaw's moment relied on so many like negative tropes mm-hmm. that while I while I'm sure that's also applicable to the limo, I feel like I don't know that this is a, a, a cop out, but just to me, my my two shackles, Black Shabbat to me was like more. <laughs> you don't think so? Two shekels, sorry, sorry, that just caught me off. Oh, two shekels, yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome, welcome to Annie's Girls. It's a real Hebrew ride. I, it's like I have my book of words, honestly, that don't make sense to anybody. Um, (laughs) but I think Black Shabbat, honestly, because oh, you're right. It it involved like some underlying, upsetting stereotype, or at least ugliness that existed in how Ramona reacted to the night. That I, I I sort of, but I, you know, which again, isn't to, I sound like Larry David and I'm like, I'm communicating right now. I don't know what's happening. Um, welcome to Monday night. Um, I do uh, completely agree from a toxicity yeah. perspective. I also think though that there was another element there, which isn't to be clear to take away from uh, ugly truths 
um, that were exposed during that moment in the limo. I just, for some reason, no, again, I my forgot. two shuckles. I forgot about Black Shabbat. I wish. It was yeah. triggering. It was it triggering was in a way. It was, triggering, way. it was triggering in, in kind of every way to, um, I think, a lot of people. Um, and maybe even honestly in the way that it was edited with both because – the way that that limo moment, obviously the finale, you know, the production knows essentially what the finale party is going to be. It is communicated to people. I've attended finale parties for the Real Housewives of New York. You know, this is the finale party for that season, or at least it's intended to be. So obviously, seemingly, that was intended to be the finale. So that moment obviously is going to be all the more impactful and disturbing, but also almost like um, it's it's going to be like the core foundation of a finale. They're going to advertise the absolute fuck out of it, not only because it's a huge moment, but also because it's the literal finale leading into the reunion. The way that Black Shabbat was edited was so deeply problematic to me because the to be continued on that episode was like, watch Ramona be anti-Semitic next week. Watch Ramona be super racist. Like the way that it was edited, the entertainment value, which we can all kind of decide how escapism works in our own special way. But like the, the way that the entertainment value was Oh, yeah, yeah. Almost like neutralizing incredibly problematic stuff was tough to me. Oh, I kind of see sure. that through line a little bit. Yeah, no, no, you're you're totally right. I meant they were similar in just the fact that my jaw was on the ground, but I still forgot about. Mm. I think I've tried to forget Black Shabbat just because I was like, I wanted to. I, I just wanted to evaporate watching that entire thing. Like it was disgusting. One of the tags of AG is normalized changing your mind based on new information. Yeah. From a jaw on the ground, 100% yeah. agree yep. about the limo. I was thinking about it because the Rosa thing was like so upsetting to me when I watched yeah. it. Yeah, no, it I know. was honestly triggering. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about other triggering moments, but 100%. See, yeah. guys, listen, this is the joy of conversations that we go, we go a little zesty. We go a little I back love- and forth, which I'm extremely into. <laughs> I love um, it. Which is, which is your fave? you know, your touchstone housewives franchise. Is there a, and it can change. It can be like, you know, it has been this and now it's that. Is there a housewives franchise that you just feel like, oof, this is home for me. This is my comfort blanket. Which one is it? Oh, absolutely. Undoubtedly Real Housewives of Potomac. Those women are. Really? Yes, they are. I can't even, and it's so funny, a follower the other day was like, yeah, Real Housewives of Potomac is basically just Real Housewives of DC rebranded. And I was like, oh shit, like interesting, I guess, because I did not watch DC. I did not watch that, full disclaimer. But they were like, yeah, "Yeah, no, because of the area. But anyways, those women are, I just, you talk about a strong cast with those women, Mm -hmm. like they are just like a warm hug. I just love them so much. I'm so happy to have them back on the screen. Like I literally adore that franchise 100%. Um, I absolutely agree. Love Potomac. And I want to get your thoughts on this season so far, but just to counter what that person said about Real Housewives of DC being repackaged. Don't come for me. Um, <laughs> no, we're, nobody's going to come for you, but I do think I I hope for that person on their journey in life that the only reason they <laughs> saw a connector was because of location. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because otherwise there is 
quite literally nothing that the cast of Potomac has in common with the cast of DC. Arguably, if we're going to like compare Potomac, I would say like compare Potomac to classic seasons of Real Housewives of New York. I agree. Because there's so much energy and consistency and even in the conflict there's a way that conflict on Potomac not always and also not always on New York by the way but the way that conflict is dealt with on Potomac to me is similar to New York because it's like you can call someone a fucking piece of shit garbage (laughs) whore whatever you want to say go to sleep wake up the next day and say hey do you want to grab an omelet like there is something not always not not typically at like wine locations or whatever in wine the wine country of Potomac but you know there is to me that kind of vibe there it's almost like a level of mutual respect between the members of the cast, which I love. Yeah, I do agree with you for sure. Is there a, in safe space, by the way, hashtag safe space, (laughs) is there a Potomac housewife you find yourself connecting with, charmed by, adoring? Oh, oh God. Well, Karen Huger is just like, she's Mm. my everything. I just, I can't. Um, I do believe that I, and I know this is a, a lot of people say this and I'm not just jumping on just if you really think about it I do think that Ashley Darby is the ultimate housewife like she Ooh. holds she truly holds nothing back I mean literally whenever what happened in that one episode when they're like well doesn't Michael cheat on you and she's like not lately and I'm like oh my god <laughs> I was dying I was like you know I give her kudos for just so just glossing over that she has been and she's playing the long game I don't see Ashley as a victim Ashley knows what she's doing she has been humiliated season after season after season and has taken it on the chin like a champ I can't relate but I still respect it because she is messy I legitimately think she's one of the most gorgeous people I've ever seen in my life that's just a Mm. side note she shows Mm -hmm. everything about her life she I just I do I love Ashley but I really do I love the whole cast I I do I just think they're great they're great ensemble you know Ashley is almost the exception to the rule when it comes to housewives so often so much on housewives involves conflict based on revealing reality like oh my marriage is a piece of shit but I'm pretending it's great like Ramona and Mario style like vow renewal and then leading into what happened next and Ramona trying to force through the idea that everything was fine you know like there is so much subconsciously or otherwise about the ways that housewives try to show off their world and Mm -hmm. the kind of lol to that is with time and also other members of the cast what we actually see happen is the truth lurking underneath that so often, you know, people try to bury or, you know, throw cash on top of. And with Ashley, obviously there are exceptions to the rule here. And the big one is fucking Michael ass Darby, but with, with Ashley, she has seemed almost centered in talking about things that other housewives would absolutely refuse to touch like the way that she love her or hate her the way that she communicates I believe she is being incredibly natural even if I disagree with what she's saying which is a a huge 
like Cadu's style moment to her because that to me is very rare on Housewives. And also not to say that it's rare in her cast because I don't know that that's completely true, but certainly rare in the universe. I absolutely agree. The way that she talks, it's like, because she and I are not far apart in age. I think, I don't, Mm. I don't think, I mean, I'm 32. I think she's like 34, 35, maybe, or maybe she's younger. I don't even know. I just remember one time I looked up her age and I was like, she's so um, mature, really, whenever she talks about things, even Mm -hmm. regarding her marriage there are so many times where I'm like I just would not be that composed I don't I I just wouldn't be I really do um have always admired that about her honestly I I because I I would not be that cool calm and collected that's all I'm gonna say Google says she's 34 so 34 it is um you know there is a Ashley has the ability when she wants to to be that kind of centered spirit and she does feel in some ways really grounded and yet you know one of the reasons why I think she's a fantastic housewives is there's always an exception to the rule and Mm -hmm. the most glaring exception to me maybe until this week until that scene with the lawyer is the fact that she genuinely either thought going in with Michael with an LLC or whatever make-believe thing he had suggested was either a good idea or the thing she was going to do regardless of how she actually felt. And now she's hitting reality, which hopefully she's listening to with this lawyer telling her, um, bad news bears, like echoing all of your friends and family this is not great. What was your reaction to that moment and also just to her journey with the house and the divorce? I just don't. It, oh my God, I could just ramble. I don't even have any words to formulate. Like, mm. whatever they're like, this is not, this is not a divorce. It's like, okay, so if you're getting a divorce, you're getting a divorce. Like, I, I just, if things are so great, then you probably shouldn't be buying property together. Like, Mm. ask questions get yourself good representation like I just it's infuriating to watch especially because I think that she's better than this like I think that Ashley isn't I really do think she's intelligent um Mm. and the whole I mean the whole thing just is I'm just as confused as her castmates that's all I'm going to say like when she said she had a coochie craving for Michael how I almost gagged (laughs) on how I don't even know like I mean the best way to get over somebody is under someone else so like (gasps) I'm sure that we are going to see Ashley's like renaissance era and I cannot wait to see Ashley I mean we're seeing it off screen on social media with her kind of like flirting whatever is happening with Luke from Summer House which is like very entertaining for people and I'm sure that they you know are attracted to each other and interested but so much of it does feel like something we're like just asking them to do they're just like responding to our as a community beg that these two people hang out so who knows what will happen with that but there is something really fun about the idea of Ashley having fun through dating Ashley is so again is so hot she's so vivacious and I'm just like I want I want to see single Ashley 100 percent because 
I feel like she's been underappreciated. You know, I'm happy that she got her children out of this relationship. I know that's something that she deeply wanted. Mm-hmm. I think she, she seems like a spectacular mother. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and like she will put their interests and needs first. And But I, I do think that Ashley deserves joy because I, she just hasn't been treated right. I mean, um, she, uh, the fact that Michael Darby got her, Gollum, no, thank you. Mm. No. I'm not here for it. You know, and there's also the idea of like independent Ashley, which has been so um, exciting for so many of us, Mm -hmm. like putting aside the dating aspect and the like hopefully seeing someone um, that is potentially a better fit for her and for the person she is now, which is mm-hmm. different from the person she was when she first got together with Michael, let alone married him. But the independent vibe, there's like the idea of Ashley independent woman, which has so many of us cheering, which is why this whole house thing yes. is at at the best confusing because he's going to be in your life for the rest of your life, your co-parenting children. I think they want to remain in each other's lives. Maybe even in addition to that, like maybe they'll develop a friendship separate from, you know, what they're currently going through, but like to continue other forms of dependence on him, Mm -hmm. especially if he has been maybe until housewives, maybe even a, including housewives the primary breadwinner because Mm -hmm. we've been told over and over and over again how hugely successful he is in his business like the idea of creating a new form of dependence absolutely because you don't have the information at hand like we don't even know what this situation looks like in exactly how he pitched it to Ashley because it wasn't presented to us on camera. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a kind of tough moment because we can't want her to be more independent than maybe she wants to be. Right. That feels like such a, a huge example of the reasons why people are upset about that idea moving forward. Oh yeah. No, I think it's tragic too. I just, the, the idea for me personally, nobody come for me. Like I try to put myself in other people's shoes. The thought of being dependent on a man, I, I can't even like conceptualize for myself mm. and watching it is extremely upsetting um, because she seems to just like, I do think she's very smart, but I feel like financially he's been her lifeline. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, sure. And and she's like, well, don't ask me how much things cost because I don't know. And I'm like, what do you, oh my God, like asked questions. It's, it's incredibly upsetting. Absolutely. Yeah. All jokes aside from wanting to see her, you know, date and do stuff like that. Um, no, I agree. The whole LLC thing, like what, what is happening? Like you're Jenny, you're smarter than this, Ashley. Ask questions. Like it just seems tragic. And like, he's um, trying to lead, to lead the way. And then whenever she said he was getting a vasectomy because she, he thought that she was like trying to get pregnant Ugh. again. And I'm like, Oh God, I don't know. That in and of itself was degrading for me. Like why? Yeah. There's to me, that's like, there's a difference between trust and information and Ashley is trusting Michael more than she's trusting the information as it's presented to her. And I wish that she was able to separate the two because 
it feels like the priority here is like he's going to make it better because why wouldn't he? He's going to make it better because even though we're splitting up, we'll still be together on some level. So why would he put one over? Like the idea that she said something, it was like, I'm going to fuck this up. So feel free to fact check me on this. But like it was some sort of line to the lawyer where she was like, I don't remember if it was in the office or in a confessional, but something along the lines of like, you know, like I would, you know, seek counsel if I thought he was putting something over on me. Like when he presents me with whatever situation, if I thought that it was shady, then I would seek counsel. And to me, that's such a scary idea because I Mm -hmm. believe that she believes it. But it's like, how are you going to know that he's putting something over if you don't have all of the information available and if you are not supporting yourself by having someone on your side who knows the questions that should be asked like it's not to me a matter of like here's a couple million dollars uh mazel tov go about your day like that's not how property is decided that's not when you get into the idea of like okay these are the eight years that we're going to be marital property finances people hide things this is why forensic accountants are incredibly important like it is a very marriage is a business arrangement I'm not taking away any of the romance but it is a legal binding situation a situationship that when you are going through the process of separation and divorce absolutely trust yourself believe in yourself enough to make sure you have the legal and financial support behind you, the people who can walk you through this. Like, do not trust that this man is going to treat you well when you don't know what treat what good treatment looks like in the eyes of the court and what you deserve. Yes, no, absolutely. I think it's incredibly, I think Ashley, you're, you're right, is incredibly naive. Um, and there's this TikTok that I repost every, every, um, so often that some, that, uh, I think my best friend sent to me and I saved it. Cause I was like, I think marriage is a huge deal. I personally think that people get married way too casually. And there was this TikTok by this, um, divorce attorney in Manhattan. Mm. And he was talking about, um, I believe he said that the divorce rate in New York or in Manhattan was 60% or maybe it was 50%. Yeah, was a- but the line that he used that stuck with me, he went through this whole thing. It's fabulous. And he says, getting married is the most legally significant thing besides Mm. dying that you will ever do Mm -hmm. in your life. And I was like, oh my God, I don't think most people think about that. People just think, oh, we're going to have, you know, a wedding. We're going to get married. It's going to be great. We're going to be the ones that make it. And it's like, you're probably statistically not. (laughs) And you need to make sure that you both, I mean, this is why prenups, are so important. I firmly believe in those and having good representation. I agree with everything you said, like having people around you that are going to advise you um, because the person you're divorcing probably doesn't have your best interests at heart. Ultimately, I just that's just how I think. I agree with you. Ciao, AGs. I am speaking to you right now from Rome, Italy, where I am having a little bit of a European adventure. While I love the city and have had so many unique experiences to historical sites, the Vatican, we went to the Pantheon earlier today, there was a little bit of a hiccup in the apartment that we're staying in. And while I really enjoyed getting to know Fabrizio, the owner of the flat, there was a little bit of a language barrier because I unfortunately do not speak any Italian, even though I have watched The Sopranos 
all the way through at least three times. And this is where Rosetta Stone comes in. What would have helped me enormously in traveling abroad would have been brushing up, also known as entirely learning, the language of Italian. It could have broken down barriers and conversation with Fabrizio. And I also think speaking the language of the place that you're in is a sign of respect to the locals. It's also the ability to fully immerse yourself in the experience. And me not knowing any Italian, apologies to my grandpa Reno, who did make pizza from scratch, it would have been an incredible and even more incredible memorable experience. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, that's right, German, Chinese, and even more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There are no English translations, so you can really learn, listen, and think in that language you want to learn. It's designed for long-term retention, which is especially helpful for me because while this is my first trip to Italy, I really truly hope it won't be my last. The lifetime membership that Rosetta Stone offers has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses that Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Ciao. Hey, AGs. Are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkels-clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to homethreads.com today and live your best real housewives life. Go to homethreads.com slash andyscrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's homethreads.com slash andyscrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. Home Threads, love where you live.
you also don't know who you're going to ultimately be divorcing because the likelihood is that you are going to change and your partner is going to change over the course of your marriage as you ostensibly would regardless in your life. So the person that you marry is more than likely not the person that you're going to divorce. So how can you trust that the person you're divorcing is the same guy who said, or woman or person, Mm -hmm. we don't want to be gender specific here. Like the same person who said, I do like, there is a reason that you're saying I don't, but you cannot, you have to, if you are trusting in that other person, the day of your wedding, as you hopefully should be with divorce, it's like, okay, you can still trust that this is going to go well, but you also need to trust yourself first. You need to support and defend yourself first. You need to arm yourself with as much information that exists that isn't Google. Like as that lawyer said, when Ashley's like, man, I, you know, I Googled and I'm so glad I saw you because it's different information. The lawyer's like, I didn't go to Google law. Like I, there, I have a capacity here. I have knowledge here that you're just not going to find on a search engine. Apologies to ask Jeeves, but like, he's not a, (laughs) he's not a, it's not divorce court. He got me through middle school. Shout out, (laughs) shout out to Jeeves. I miss him. I loved him. (laughs) Um, you know, and also shout out to Alta Vista and all our friends of your, you know, we love you guys. May your memory be a blessing. But like, like, so too, hopefully, should your marriage. Yeah. But again, it's like you might not know. Probably to... not. Like, let's just look at but the also, facts. Like, I mean, I don't know. I don't really like this whole statistics thing. Listen, numbers are fun and good or whatever. The hope is. <laughs> you just believe in God. You just, you just believe in love. Just You're do so it. Just romantic. do it. I do. I mean, there is. Because yeah, what really. better, what bigger leap of faith? I mean, there are so many examples of it. We don't want to like. But within the con within the construct of talking about relationships, significant ones in marriage, what bigger leap of faith can a person take than saying I do like I am going to go through life with you together? I think it is incredibly, wonderfully romantic. I, I absolutely believe that at my core, like the idea of marriage, which which is to me incredibly like this ideal of marriage, which is very different than one person's idea of marriage, which is different Mm -hmm. from another person's perception of marriage. There's so much nuance in like what I am expecting to happen with this that when we think about divorce, the disillusion of relationships, which are incredibly upsetting and you know, it's, there is something to be said as, as pissed as people on uh, New York housewives might believe that does involve the idea of divorce as a form of death. There is a grieving process that takes place for many people for a significant period of time Mm -hmm. that for some might be longer than the length of their marriage and relationship when going through that kind of split. And it's like, babe, you're only going to get one shot at this. You're Mm -hmm. not going to, if you just believe him as you did when you were married, there's a reason that you're getting divorced. Maybe that person isn't worthy of respect of that kind of trust when that trust has been eroded and abused so many times. Yeah, I look, we could talk for I could talk for years about marriage. I agree with what you're saying completely. Um, 
you're right. You're not generally divorcing the same person that you married because I, yeah, I could, I could go on a tangent. I'm not going to, I agree with everything you're saying. I think it's revealing. I think that the ways that relationships go for better and worse can be revealing about one's own self. Like maybe the person that you thought you were going to be the role that you thought you were going to play in this relationship, regardless of marital vows, turns out to be different. And maybe that's a good thing. And maybe it's a challenge. Mm -hmm. And it's like, for Ashley, I wonder, there's almost a passivity. Am I saying that right? Passivity. I think yeah, so. passivity. Yeah, the fun thing with me, I had a brain episode in the spring, and it's like sometimes I say words out loud, and I'm like, is that the way the word actually works? There, um, there's a passivity, guys. Just bear with me. I don't know if that's a thing. This but, is a um, safe space. There's a passivity in how Ashley is going about this divorce, and I wish that she was more active. And maybe what we're seeing now, helped by the fact that he's not giving her actual valid information that might not be factually correct according to his behavior big surprise there Mm -hmm. but hopefully she stops becoming so passive which I think is probably also a difficulty a challenge when you're getting divorced and you have played a certain role especially when it comes to finances when that chapter ends the difficulty with like the new chapter or God forbid new book is like you have to write it. If you are depending on Michael Darby to write the book of your divorce, guess who's going to be the starring part and guess who's mm-hmm. going to win at the end? It's not going to be you. And there will be a winner. It's not going to be like even split. Let's call it a day because look at how he's communicating to you even about this fucking LLC. If I were to say I wouldn't be shocked if Ashley and Michael reconciled, what would you say back? Could you see that happening? Because I could. I don't know about reconciling. I do think that there's the potential here for a divorce to be seemingly negotiated, but not necessarily quickly signed. There is a, a way that she is communicating about her separation where she's we're, some of us, including myself, including in the, over the course of this conversation, are focusing on the word divorce. Mm-hmm. And she seemingly has been pretty clear, maybe aside from the picnic, I kind of forget uh, if it was like other people saying divorce and her agreeing or, or how that was communicated. But there is a way that she is focusing on separation, which might be a part of her process of coming to terms with this, or it might be because she's not yet totally thinking about divorce which is to me a separate conversation from like the year gap yeah with like Virginia law or whatever it is but you think that they could totally get back together I guess I just see because we're not seeing Michael's side which thank god I'm honestly Mm, so happy (laughs) literally thank god thank god (laughs) thank you from above thank you thank you bravo (laughs) thank you so much (laughs) I honestly I guess um she and maybe this, and again, I've never been divorced. I, for, for me, marriage is not for me. I want anybody who wants to be married to get married. I do, I do believe in love. I personally don't think that it lasts forever. However, mm-hmm. I want to make it clear that I don't think that just because love doesn't last forever, like it's, it, that doesn't make it any less important, right? If you're married for 20 years and you had whatever, a good 20 years, I think that's so beautiful, so important. And I support anybody who wants to be married. I want everybody to get what they want. 
I've never been divorced. And even though it's not for me, I have tremendous compassion for people who go through divorce or even through a, a breakup. I don't care what kind of breakup that is. It's so, um, it is so sad. You're completely right. Whenever mm-hmm. you say that it's grieving a death. I think that Ashley just doesn't seem, I guess, all in, and maybe she's, she, I don't know. She just doesn't seem like um, very convicted about getting, um, her convictions about getting divorced aren't very high to me. Like, it seems like she's okay mm. with going slow and entering into this agreement. I don't know. There's just something about it that I would not be shocked if this dragged on for a long time or Mm -hmm. that maybe, I mean, maybe she realizes like, oh, wow, he really was my lifeline. Like maybe it would be easier if I just stayed there, you know, there's that saying like sometimes the devil, you know, is better than the devil you don't. And her Mm -hmm. basically, you know, reintroducing herself into life as a single person and having to worry about a mortgage and money and how much things cost and, um, getting divorced and being a single parent, you know, a lot of people stay in marriages or situations for that reason. Cause it's, it's easier sometimes to stay. Some people, please don't come for me. I know that a lot of people stay in situations that are less than savory because it's like, well, this is all I know. Like, yeah, I have depended on this person financially. Like they have been my lifeline. I mean, and it's, you know, it makes me sad to watch, but that's why a lot of people say they're going to get divorced or even just split up. And they don't because it's like, I, it's really hard to get back and to be on your own, especially whenever there are children involved. That's, I just wouldn't be shocked if that would happen personally. Mm. I hope it doesn't, but I wouldn't be shocked. I'm curious what will happen when we get to, and I I assume that we already are right at the year long, whatever this however many like I I know obviously on the show we're not as the show episodes air but I would think IRL that we're like near if not surpassing that year year long no didn't I would assume no didn't that like just come out like not long no 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 there's no way that she announced that because like I remember the memes no way that was a year ago no she announced the separation at whatever point she did but I that doesn't mean that they hadn't been separated for oh, however right. long prior to that. It's you're not right. the the court isn't deciding when her publicist responds to That's Instagram true. posts. Um, but I don't know what that date of separation was, and and who knows how far along they are in this whole negotiation process. So yeah. much of this, again, were is being communicated on Ashley's terms, right? Um, because she is the person whose story we ultimately are following. So. Um, a lot of that is, I think, subject to what she wants us to know, understandably so. Um, and also how much of it is being communicated and decided as a way to protect Michael as a way to, and I don't mean that as a negative thing necessarily, but because Ashley is cognizant that the story of their separation and divorce is now solely being told through her Mm -hmm. eyes because he's not appearing on camera. I don't know how that changes. And also, you know, I don't know where negotiations are as these episodes air. Like, hopefully that's already been decided, but who knows? Like, I don't know the end of the story with this house. Right. If she bought, ultimately bought the house. I have no idea. I don't keep up with what's happening when it's 
typically when it's um when it hasn't yet been revealed on the show but right I think that there might be an aspect of that too I'm wishing our girl well I really I truly I wish her the best um and ultimately the best for the kids because in the end kids really are the final victim are the ultimate victim and I just hope that everything works out for everybody I really do well victims in the sense that you know there is a, a conversation that I had with um, Tracy on the last episode of the idea of co-parenting amongst really difficult circumstances and doing so, putting trying as best you can, noting that this is impossible in all situations, to put aside or put into a box anger and frustration you might feel about your former partner so that the kids experience co-parenting as best they can. And again, that's so situation specific. Mm -hmm. So hopefully the kids aren't seen or, or feel that they are uh, victims in that sense, you know, but ultimately they are the ones who will suffer the greatest. Yeah. And there's so much at risk because a child's understanding is very different from an adult's, which can also be very different from a different adult's, depending on a, a person's experiences and how they are willing to process what's, what's actually occurred. So um, there is something positive in the way that Ashley does seem extremely, extremely focused on the effect of this on her children, which is, I'm sure, like a very difficult a journey like I can't I can't I can't imagine it like if I was divorcing someone I and I that probably that's what I'm laughing oh yeah at. no <laughs> Not welcome to Andy's that. girls welcome to Andy's girls Literally but I can't way. I can't um I can't imagine oh, god I just think it's it's like shout out to anybody kind of going through this or who has gone through this because it's so challenging in so many ways and when you have kids and that picture and so many people go through divorces from individuals who are incredibly toxic or are divorcing am amidst a circumstance that might be incredibly toxic, let alone another person, um, you know, who they are at their core. And like when you have kids involved, it's like truly, I mean, what kind of goddamn courage award can you give someone for going through that and, and staying focused on the kids and just, you know trying to help their children um it's a, I can't even get to imagine. the other side of it yeah I can't even imagine being there yeah and also the ages of the kids when this stuff happens like Ashley's sons are very young so trying to figure out what they will remember mm -hmm. if anything like, what are they going to remember of our relationship and our marriage noting that they will be alive longer with us divorced than they will be married. So like the way that they see their parents as a seemingly, I think we're getting there, divorced couple mm -hmm. at the end of the day, like what are they going to remember about their parents' relationship with each other because they were so young when Ashley and Michael were married before this separation was announced to us that it's like right. the likelihood is pretty strong that they are going to have more memories of the stuff that happened since, which is a lot of pressure, I would it think, is. for yeah. parents going through this. Yeah. I do want to shift gears a little bit just because so much of this conversation is focused on marriage, which I think is an incredibly interesting topic. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the episode is focused on marriage as well. The marriage of Candace and Chris and the after effect of what 
Ashley's discussed and what Giselle has discussed, how that affects their marriage and how their marriage is maybe affecting the rest of the cast. What's your um, kind of reaction and response to what we're seeing take place? Honestly, I have to tell you, I hate it. I really, I, I really like, um, I really like Chris and I really love Eddie. Ooh, what are you drinking? That looks so refreshing. I'm having Gatorade Zero because I have an electrolyte imbalance and Gatorade Zero fruit punch flavor. No, no, no. Oh my God. I love Gatorade fruit punch. I'm so badass. I'm sorry. It's so good. I have no less than three beverages at any given time. And thank God the temperatures go down because I don't have my AC on when I record. And it's like a literal, it has been a literal shit show um, during war on warmer temperature days, even if it's like in fall. Um, So I love myself a little Gatorade zero moment because it keeps me hydrated and replenished without fucking with my sodium. Hashtag stay hydrated. I love that for you. That looks refreshing. Hashtag stay hydrated hashtag I might be thirsty but that's really more my personality than anything else um <laughs> wait so what were you gonna, what Sorry, were you gonna say actually, what were you gonna say let me take a sip right quick let's both take I'm now having a little decaf oh this is fun for the listeners oh my god I love it so much I love it yeah here. we love I never want a hydration station you never will you never will the Zoom. <laughs> what's your reaction to all of this no no I really hate it I love Chris I love Eddie that's just a random but I think that they're um too Good guys. I don't want to. Yeah. Why are we talking about Eddie? No, no. I'm just saying I love these two men just randomly. Just, I just. Oh, like, okay. Into it. Into it. I of, of all of the husbands. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, like interesting. I don't generally like a lot of house husbands. I don't. Anyways, it's just random, but um, I don't it. like it because I, I do like Chris. Chris has never been rude or disrespectful and I don't in any way want to invalidate. Like if that, if that's how Giselle really felt, then that's how Giselle felt. I'm not going to invalidate that. That is what it is. Um, I, I was so upset whenever they were at the winery and Ashley brought that up to Candace in front of everybody because her and Candace were making headway. I love that Ashley mm. went to her house and Candace offered her a beverage, invited her into her home mm-hmm. and like they were, you know, eating and it seemed like they were finally making headway because I think when they're good, it's so fun to watch. And it was you know, they had already gotten over the hump of Ashley, you know, talking about the W, you know, should have come to the W. Uh, that's what it was, right? That's the name of the hotel? Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. The hotel. I'm so sorry if that's wrong. Um, they had gotten <laughs> over that and Candace gave her the benefit of the doubt. And I'm like, why did you have to bring up hearsay at this thing? Like whenever y'all were making headway and you couldn't have approached her indirectly and then also the whole thing that can I just say that the editing on Potomac is like chef's kiss whenever yeah, 100%. who I just cannot get a read on was like I'm just saying he was he was looking at me and then they showed the flashbacks and Chris was never looking at me not looking at her never looking at me once right so hilarious and I'm just like I just hate that they're coming for Chris and it just it seems calculated it's like okay it's your turn Chris like I'm sure Eddie will have a turn I'm sure somebody else will have a turn I guess Eddie kind of had a turn last year whenever they were um saying that he was having an affair or something I just I hate it I hate that yeah it's tough because it feels like right now the conversation is either or and Mm -hmm. I think the what was I think helpful at the beginning of this uh when it came to Candace's reaction was she really did want to understand 
Giselle's perspective, especially because we're, you're talking about her husband. I think she she really, truly was concerned in the sense of like, if something happened, I needed I need to know that. But it, the sense that we're getting is that I mean, I I had a little note to myself that like Giselle felt uncomfortable mm-hmm. and said, I don't know if this is something that she shared or just my summary of what was discussed, but Giselle felt uncomfortable and said she wanted him to go outside. And so he did. That to me is the end of the conversation. We don't need to, and by we, I mean like members of the cast, invalidate Giselle's upset, but also a feeling does not mean it is shared. Giselle might feel a certain way, but that doesn't mean that Chris was doing this because he felt a certain way where it was, or, or because, um, the way that something can be received to me is important, but that's not everything. Mm -hmm. And I think the way that this has been discussed is confusing because it's like the way Giselle felt is everything. And that's not fair. It's not Mm -hmm. fair to Chris and it's not fair to Candace. And, it feels like a lot of the discomfort is built around perception. There's a discomfort in being in a room with a man, which I don't take away from. And I don't know how I would feel if like doors were closed in a dressing room solo, regardless of you mm-hmm. being friends with someone. I'm not going to, I don't, as we said, we don't want to dismiss Giselle's feelings, but like, it seems like a lot of the discomfort was built on the perception that other people might feel something else was going on. Mm-hmm. Which is very, that is to me a passive feeling which I completely am not dismissing or minimizing at all versus what Michael Darby did and it's like the equalization here is so frustrating which Ashley Darby is actively participating in and trying to drive home yep the idea that like well the pendulum swung one way and now it's going to your side and it's like sure can pressure on different relationships happen through housewives yes as you just mentioned like Wendy and Eddie had to deal with fucking ridiculous rumors and you know something's gonna happen with Karen and Ray coming up and and Juan and Robin have been through it too but that's not the same thing as like actual acts and behaviors especially those that were caught on camera and litigated in court versus someone being uncomfortable because of the perception of how other people will feel. Or maybe Giselle felt uncomfortable, not about perception, but about Chris's behavior. Mm-hmm. But we're not totally, to me, getting that. We're, we're now getting that with the idea that he was flirting with other women and touched someone, which was half discussed on this episode, mm-hmm. which is a different conversation to me. And again, for the 900th time, it's not minimizing how Giselle felt, which she communicated to Robin with cameras down after the reunion. She felt a certain way. Right. But the perception of this, especially because we're now trying to say there's a record or a pattern of behavior, to me is completely unrelated to what Michael Darby did, which was I agree. active, physical crossing of boundaries which involved groping multiple times. Right. No, Michael Darby is an actual sexual predator. Like, that's recorded. I just think he's just like a general piece of shit. Like, I don't know what the term would be, you know? Grabbing people's, I think grabbing people's asses and unsolicited, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know that. I don't, for some reason, all of a sudden I'm like, I don't know about the language on that. But like, yeah, it's, it could be, <laughs> like, it could I be, mean, ingra- I'm not defending Michael. It's more, yeah. I don't know about the actual, uh, how the language, use of language applies. Um, 
I said what I said, everybody. No, she doesn't have to agree, but I said what I said. <laughs> I think he's a. I yeah, never mind. I'm gonna hold it back. He's a yeah. He's a piece. No, don't. Yeah. You shouldn't hold back. Yeah, I think he's no. a piece of shit. Yeah, and it's like there is people that's not normal, and um, it's a form of assault. Right. It's a form of assault. It's there's a reason that yeah. you know the court was involved, um, <gasps> and it's unfortunate that now there is a an equalization here like I think honestly when Candace said at some point like that Ashley was vindictive it's like you know what vindictive could be a part of this but also gleeful is another part there was a real Cheshire cat style grin on Ashley's face with the idea that now it's your turn that like babe no matter what happened with Giselle and Chris, which feels like two people had two very different experiences. And at the end of the day, I don't know how much who said what about let's go to the dressing room really applies here because we're, I think we seemingly are on the same page that it was like to have a conversation with a friend. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's, so not the same thing as what Michael Darby was credibly accused of and what footage has shown and how mm-hmm. people have reacted. And it's like, babe, like that Cheshire cat, as much as we fucking love you as a housewife, this is. Oh, for sure. She was one of the reasons that you're on housewives. She was waiting for, and I think that goes for anybody. I'm not saying it's right because I think it's so messed up, but um, Ashley and her husband have been under fire um, understandably and rightfully for multiple seasons because her husband's a piece of shit. Not just like, cause like cheating and being a sexual predator or whatever, or being a piece of shit, like are not the same thing. So it's like, okay, he was doing both, right? Like Chris, I don't see that correct being the same thing. And so the Ashley and Michael have been through it. Michael brought it on by being himself. It's disgusting. I'm so, I hope we never see him again. And I think that Ashley was tired. And I think I agree with you. It's like, no, it's your turn. You're like, three people are saying this. And Mia said this. And Giselle said this. And whoever said this, I think that absolutely she was loving it. And she, it is not an accident that she confronted Candace on camera. It's That was completely intentional. She could have texted her. She could have called her. They could have done it at a different time. She loved the fact that they did it on camera in front of everybody else. That was not an accident. She loved it. Yeah, it might have felt like a relief to her. And the, and the idea here that crossing of boundaries, which is I think is an aspect of it too, that like Giselle felt like her boundaries were being or something. Um, the idea that crossing boundaries would apply as equally with this situation with Chris mm-hmm. and like what is now being discussed as a couple different examples. But like when we're all including Mia in this it gets so confusing because these women think that something happened that the audience knows according to the edit did not right (laughs) that that makes stuff really confusing but also with Michael the thing that's so frustrating is like to me he's uh not the most he's not the guy that I would want I would place trust in and his idea of crossing boundaries is like a form of entertainment to him the way that he did things and chose to do them at his wife's place of work is just an additionally disturbing aspect of his behavior because 
it was a form of disrespect to all involved. The person obviously whose body is being, um, uh, violated, whose body, thank you so much. Whose body is being violated is seemingly the most important here, but he's also like violating the idea of respect for his wife, which maybe he doesn't have control over that, which is something he should fucking seek help for. But also, I don't think he wants to. And that is very different from even like anywhere near. It is miles away from the conversation about having a conversation in a dressing room mm-hmm. and how a person felt. It's just it's not, not even, the even same close. Thing. It's not even close to the same thing, which I think is the thing that maybe we'll hear more from Candace about at the reunion, because I think that gets to the core of some of her anger. Um, Not all of it, obviously, because there's like trust issues with Giselle and the way that this is being communicated, but also the idea that her husband, that people are attempting to say her husband is as bad. Like, It's just not, it's just, it's like two different universes. And yet within the world of housewives, people can make comparisons or make jokes. And I don't know, I would be really fucking hurt if I had someone who I was trying to grow or circle back and get some sort of relationship with again. And this is the way that they are communicating about my relationship. Ashley should know more than anyone else the harm and impact of what that can do. And I think oh, that sure. is a part of a lot of Candace's upset and hurt is because it's not the same. And yet we're pretending that it's within the same world. How did you respond? One of the moments that it really made me like, how did you feel whenever Candace um, said to Giselle, uh, what was the verbiage? She was like, you're the, you're the reason women don't want to report sexual assault. She, yeah, I think it was something along the lines of like, you're the reason women don't come forward. Yes. That moment I was like, oh, like, did you have any kind of reaction to that? I, I was like, note to self, yikes. But also I, I just felt like I just so deeply disagreed with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I understood the per- where Candace was coming from in that moment. I just firmly was like, nope, this is not related to that. And also yeah. this is the problem with conflating all of these situations as the same. Right. But it's also the problem with miscommunication here. It's like because things are being miscommunicated and also misconstrued and then miscommunicated mm-hmm. and because all of the members of the cast are playing some sort of single or duet version of telephone, that it is going to result in very heightened circumstances including in thinking those thoughts like I don't necessarily begrudge Candace in that moment for saying that even though I so vehemently disagree Mm -hmm. with that idea and like the representation of that I don't agree with I don't think the impact of what Giselle is saying or the symbolism of what she's communicating is an example of this other thing right and also like at this at that same point like I don't I don't begrudge her for thinking that I just so fervently disagree what did you think um I just thought that moment I don't it just caught me so off guard because I think yeah same I was so like like did that just wow like that escalated um 
No, I agree with But this saying. is, it feels like an escalation. It, the yeah. problem with this situation is it's an escalation from months prior mm-hmm. that's now being presented as well as new aha moment information. And mm-hmm. what is happening here is almost the establishing of a record. Right. But because so much of this is based on miscommunication or untruths with this like, Listen, Mia might have thought he was looking at her, but based right. on what we saw, he absolutely was not. So, like, that can't be included as an example, except it absolutely is, which is another problem with the idea of, like, perception reality. Yes. Like, Mia yes. perceived that he was looking at her, so that's being used as a real example. Yes. Plus other stuff, which is to me a little bit about perception yeah which makes this really complicated versus Michael Darby where it wasn't the perception was why is he lying pretending this didn't happen denying its reality whatever else versus like physical behavior that occurred it's not a the perception here is like whether or not he thought it was a joke which no one cares about because Mm. At the end of the day, the punchline was based on groping someone else without their consent. Like right. the the boundary crossing for Michael Darby always involved a consent issue because no one seemingly had it. And with this, it's not that conversation. But when we're having it and we're neutralizing it, it makes everything dirty, which yeah. is not ideal. The situation is not ideal. <laughs> No, it's not. And then also, I just want to say, whenever we talk about editing, or well, I'm when I was talking about editing, it is top tier. And I, I did. His, I laughed so hard whenever she said, "Oh, he was staring at me," and they showed him not staring. Like, mm. it's funny, but at the same time, like, that's also damaging. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's a big deal to mm. be like, "Oh yeah," like, like why did she think? that he was staring at her. Do you know what I mean? It's like, okay, did did you just feel like he was staring at you? Like, what if she had implied something more and then it was showed on camera that he had it? Do you know what? Like, there's a lot of damage to be done and there's, you know, we're focusing on Giselle, which is very important, but like just Mia, it was almost delusional. I have to tell you for her to be like, he was looking at me. Oh yeah, I clocked that. It's like, what did you clock? I mean, unless they edit it out, which I can't imagine them doing, but like, imagine if she had implied something more. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, and he, and he yeah. hadn't, and like, there were cameras there the whole time. It's just a really interesting, um, I don't know. There, one of a quote, I forgot where it's from, but it says that somebody will never escape the stain of accusation. And it is so true. And people have to be real careful before they speak and imply things because that accusation, even if they're found innocent, even if there's camera footage of them not doing it, just that stain of accusation is going to be there. And it's so unfortunate whenever they didn't actually do something. And I'm just speaking in general. Um, I don't know. The whole thing was just bizarre. Yeah. And that's why I also think, again, this like conflating different and, and different circumstances becomes incredibly problematic and like sort of troubling because then we get into the greater conversation but is it applicable to this you know like that's I think that's a difficulty and I think it's important to hear what more information of what Mia meant which I'm sure I am very confident we will hear at the reunion if not 
the next time she's on Watch What Happens Live, and maybe that have I don't know that she's been on Watch What Happens Live yet this season. She may well have been, and I don't know if it was discussed, but like I would think the next time she's on that it would come up because I think that some clarity is needed here. It, and did something happen that we didn't see? Like, right. Some of this is specific, but a lot of it isn't. And when you have specific, he was looking at me and we don't have footage of that. What did we miss? Like, and what does it mean that someone was looking at you? Like there, again, it's like a perception mm-hmm. and the difference between perception and like that other person's behavior versus that other person's perception of what occurred. It's, it can get really nuanced and really tough. And it does not appear by the way that Candace and I guess Chris are responding on social media. There's obviously a lot of upset that remains. And I'm curious how this will resolve itself, if at all. I think, I think Candace, I'm not even joking. Like, I think she said on social, I forget what tweet it is. I'm not on Twitter. Like, something along the lines of, like, this is over. We, I will never have a relationship with that woman ever again. And I'm just curious genuinely about how this is going to be discussed at the reunion and if there is a way to move forward because Giselle is not going anywhere on the right. show and neither is Candace. And ideally, at some point, there can be resolution. Um, and I hopefully Chris is like a part of that because this is a conversation about him without him which I think is also really complicated, at least without him directly with Giselle and other members of the cast. I don't know how they're going to handle this. I think it's going to be really tough. Yeah. But I actually do also have faith in the production for Potomac that this will somehow be discussed in a way um, that gets us somewhere at the end. I just don't know where that will be. I yeah. really don't. Yeah, I hope there's resolution. A hundred percent. I hope there is too. And listen, what an interesting nuanced combo this has been for your first time on AG. We really, we dove quite deep. We got some shahs, which I don't remember ever (laughs) happening or not having happened in a a while. We got some marriage stuff, some divorce stuff. We talked about (gasps) perception and reality with a lot of gray area there. So I'm so, I think, you know, I don't know how you feel, but I feel pretty, pretty darn good about this episode. My goodness. The only thing we're missing is the Murdochs. Oh my God. Yeah. We both, we both, uh, y'all, if you want a <laughs> wild fucking recommendation there, is, what's the name of it? Is it called low country? Yeah. It's low country it is, on HBO max on HBO max, a three part mini series about in a fucking it is evil with a capital E, a very, very dark. Um, I have to say from a production perspective, I thought it, the actual series itself was really well done. But uh, we both essentially watched it maybe the same day. Maybe you watched yeah. it the day before I did. Yeah, it was really close um, together. But we both I, story, so yeah, we both storied about it on IG. Um, yeah, so Low Country on HBO Max, if you guys are looking for a wild fucking ride. Um, honestly, you know what I would love to do? If you have any avail, as I say this out loud on the episode, <laughs> coming on a Patreon episode with me this week and talking about Low Baby, Country, yes. I would... Yes. I would love to do Low Country, Married to Medicine. I have a list of things I want to discuss Please, with you guys. So yes. look for that episode um, out this week on the AG Patreon. Number one way to support the pod. You get exclusive bonus episodes like this one oh that we're going to do talking about murder oh <laughs> and my. some other 
oh wild god. fucking shit um the hit of serotonin i'm getting it's just the thought right now I'm oh my god it's so nuts fuckers. this show that show is so <laughs> nuts. i literally posted because my favorite thing to do is to like process shows that i'm watching while instagram storing as i do as i watch them and i truly was like that show needs to come with a blood pressure sleeve because i was so <laughs> I was losing my oh. mind while I was watching because I was so upset. Um, so, so guys, listen, watch Low Country while joining the Andy Scrolls Patreon because there's going to be an episode coming out where we absolutely discuss it. The AG Patreon. There's a Satchel Spectacular up now. Patreon.com slash Andy Scrolls. And again, Satchels of Gold named in her honor of Her Holiness Kelly Clorn Ben Simone. Are your thoughts and feels, questions and concerns about all things housewives? So shoot me a message on Instagram at Dame Galley and let me know your first name in town or Anon if you'd like your thoughts and feels about all things Salt Lake City, which we absolutely did not get to and Potomac and so much more. And also last episode of AG focused quite a bit on the Bethany podcast, noting as I did during the episode, I hadn't yet listened. I have since. So that Patreon episode also includes conversation and my reaction to Bethany's new pod. Um, so look for that on the AG Patreon now. Um, listen, tell the folks where they can follow you on social and also a little bit about your Substack, which you just recently launched. <laughs> yes, y'all. I Yes, I did. So you can find me on Instagram. It's just um, at the neighborhood hype girl. Um, it's a really eclectic page, just like this conversation. I firmly believe mm. there's something for, for everybody. Um, movies, books, shows, podcasts. And we also discuss real world things. It's not, you know, we discuss real injustices and bring light to several things. Uh, so you can find me there. And then I recently started a Substack. It is free. If you go on my Instagram at the neighborhood hype girl, there is a highlight that's just labeled Substack and there's a link there and you can just uh, go and read random things that I, that I rant about. If you so choose, we would love to have you over there. I love that. And you guys, reading is so important, as we know, from the reads of The Real Housewives of Potomac. So oh look for that and so much more. I also just want to shout out before we sign off a dear friend of the podcast, Ryan Houlihan, who is doing a live show here in New York City this Friday, November 18th at the Green Room 42. It's a 9.30 p.m. show. And the name of the show is The Funeral of HBO Max. And Ryan is going to have a bunch of special guests, including friend of the pod, Chris Murphy, and so much more. I am planning to attend. I got my ticket. I'm so excited. So I would love to see you guys there. Um, if you attend this fabulous, because we support live theater here at Andy's Girls. Um, so get your ticket now at thegreenroom42.com. The number's 42. So thegreenroom42.com. You can come say hi to me. Maybe we'll have a little Prosecco, have a little seltzer kiki and talk about housewives um, and also support a friend of the pod who um, I am so excited to see back on stage this Friday. So if you want to go to the funeral of HBO Max, which is like such a fabulous um, idea and topic for a live event. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I'm so excited for it. So come see Ryan Houlihan and you'll see me too in the audience um, this Friday night here in New York City at the Green Room 42. 
My goodness, it was so fabulous having you on AG. This is I'm so call you hype. Fun. Yeah, please. Oh my god, this was hype. so great. <laughs> I love that. I love that hype. Um, on that note, guys, hope you are all hype in your day. Ooh, do you see what I did there? Oh I was like god. a little, my little, like, take a little time to enjoy the view. Thank you so much, <laughs> guys. Hope you're all doing okay. Hype yourselves is what I shall say, and we will talk to you soon. Goodbye. Bye.